NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watch the youth them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield, mad skills, lottie dottie, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the pod, and watch out for the kids, EVT is out here broadcasting, EVT is out here podcasting, question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them, question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them, Padres EVT podcast, Padres EVT podcast, Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times Podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as usual, is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? Not much, James. How about you? Uh, nothing much. Just uh, kind of recovering after another uh, another brutal Padres loss last night. Um, Jolice Shashin uh, failed to get out of the first inning. Third time in four games that this has happened to the Padres. Um, the bullpen's just really getting worked, um, wouldn't you say, Patrick? Yeah, it's it's kind of rough to watch. Um, this is, like you said, the third time in four games that the, the starting pitcher's given up, what, six, seven, eight runs in the first inning. Um, I think Perdomo, Perdomo actually made it out of the first inning. But uh, as for Weaver and um, Chassin, yeah, it's been rough to watch. And, and for the bullpen, it's it's going to be taxing. I mean, they had at least they had the day off Sunday with the complete game by Richard, uh, day off on Monday. So, yeah, um, they had those two days to a little bit to, to recover a little bit, but you didn't want to throw them out in the fire like this again, where they had to they had to pitch basically eight eight innings um, to end the game. So it's not a good recipe for success, and and something's got to change if if the team's gonna make it through this season uh, alive, really. Yeah, so you just you can't keep doing this to your bullpen. Um, they've already been struggling, and you got to figure that the struggles are going to continue if if they're uh, forced to come into the game in the first, second, third, fourth inning every every game. It's a it's a tough thing to deal with. Um, you know, we're starting the hashtag, uh, it is what it is, and it pretty <laughs> much is what it is. Um, you know, let's let's look towards the future. Uh, the Major League Baseball draft is uh, in a couple of weeks away, uh, roughly two, three weeks away. Um, for our 37th episode, we thought we'd bring in Jonathan Mayo of MLB.com to give us some uh, draft coverage, some inside draft coverage, if you will. Uh, it's always good to talk to him. Um We'll be right back with uh, Jonathan Mayo. Stay tuned. All right, folks, thank you so much for joining us on episode 37. Uh, we are pleased to have uh, Jonathan Mayo of MLB.com with us today, uh, talking a little bit of draft coverage. How are you doing today, Jonathan? I'm doing great. How are you? Not too bad. Enjoying, uh, enjoying the San Diego weather. Um it's about the only thing we have to look forward to here in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, look, quick, let's let's get your take on the Padres. And I know uh, their team rebuilding. Obviously, the I think the ownership is starting to use that word now. Uh, it was taboo at first, but um, the last eleven months for this team has been a, a drastic change in in the farm system in particular. Um, can you give me a little bit of your thoughts on the Padres and, and the way they're headed right now? Well, I think you know at least on paper, they're headed in, in the right direction. Um, and clearly, they kind of went all in at the big league level at first, uh, and that didn't work. Uh, and now, you know, that left them with having to kind of restock a farm system that they had uh, kind of rated fairly heavily in their efforts to compete at the big league level. 
And, you know, sure, in a perfect world, you could try to hit that reset switch and compete at the same time, but that, that rarely happens. And, uh, and you don't often have the resources, you know, both in terms of money and personnel to do that. So, but I think what they have been doing, um, of late has been good and their system is, is pretty exciting. Uh, a lot of it's a little far away. Uh, you know, I think the guys who were closer are up now, um, you know, that were sort of higher end and then, uh, the rest of them are, or, you know, a couple of years away to even further away than that, especially with how aggressive they've been in the international market. Yeah, no, definitely. It's it's uh, it's exciting for Padre fans because this is something that we haven't uh, witnessed, a, a, a rebuild, a commitment of this type of rebuild, especially on the international market like you alluded to. Um, it's, it's, it's a good thing. It's just tough for Padre fans to be patient because – um, like I say, this this team has really been neglected for a long time um, with the management and with the the way that they've uh, addressed the needs to the team. Um, let, let's get let's get towards the future um, because that's basically what the the Padres 2017 season is about. Um, it's about the future. Uh, the draft is coming up in June. Padres have the third pick. I, a recent piece that you put out has them uh, selecting Royce Lewis with that selection. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you? Get a little uh, more in depth into your first three picks and how you see them going at, at this point. Sure, uh, especially because any of those three could be, you know, uh, guys considered by by the Padres. Uh, actually, any of the top four, uh, including Kyle Wright from Vanderbilt. Although I don't see the Padres really all that interested in him. Uh, hmm. The guy that I think it's no secret the Padres would love to get to them is Hunter Green. Uh, they, the the right hander from from up the road in Los Angeles uh, throws 102 miles an hour, extremely athletic. He'd be a first round pick as an infielder, um, but you know top of the draft guy as a, as a pitcher, uh, and uh, he uh, he is the real deal. Uh, he's very mature. Uh, he's got a high baseball IQ and he's unbelievably gifted. So the combination of all those things makes him a a very special player. Um, and I could see a scenario where neither the twins nor the reds take him. So, uh, you know, that, that could work out. Royce Lewis, uh, is, a, is another high schooler from Southern California. He is, uh, a shortstop. Most people think maybe he's better suited to play center field. Uh, but he's definitely an up the middle player. He probably is the toolsiest player in the draft, just in terms of all around, uh, tools. Uh, you know, I think there is the potential for him to uh, hit for average and power, uh, run well, uh, and play above average defense, especially if, uh, if he's out in, in center field. Um, Brendan McKay is a player from Louisville. Again, I don't see the Padres necessarily being all that interested uh, there, I haven't heard his name. You know, if he were there at three, uh, he's just an interesting guy because, uh, like Hunter Green, he's a two-way player. But the it's the jury is still completely split on whether he should be and will be drafted as a hitter or a pitcher. Uh, as a hitter, he's a first baseman. Uh, he can hit for average and power, uh, advanced approach. And then as a as a pitcher, he's a left-handed pitcher uh, with good stuff. The teams that like him at the top, see him as a, you know, with the ceiling of a number two. Uh, he's gotten a little tired uh, at the end of this year, which is understandable considering, you know, he pitches on Fridays and then hits actually all three days. Um, but, you know, you 
make the leap, and it's not a difficult leap to make, that if he were to focus on just one, uh, the tools in, in each of those areas will, will get much sharper. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted your thoughts on, maybe if you had any inside information on why you think the Potters aren't interested in uh, Kyle Wright. I don't have any inside information. I just have not heard them being on him. Um, and mostly, and you know, that's mostly anecdotal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from the teams picking right in front and right after. Um, that doesn't mean that they wouldn't. Obviously, they took uh, Cal Quantrill out of the college ranks a year ago. That was kind of a special situation. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I, I don't know that they've ruled him out. I have just, I've heard more high school names with the Padres at number three than, than college ones. So at this point, do you think it's if Hunter Green's there, that's the guy they take, and if not, oh, Royce, Royce yeah. Lewis? That is right. I mean that that is as bankable as as, as a thing as can be in the draft. If Hunter Green does not get taken one or two, he's going to go three. I would be shocked. Something would have had to have gone um, horribly wrong, uh, you know, with a physical or mm-hmm. when they talked about signability, and uh, neither of those things uh, pretend to be issues uh, as I see it right now. So uh, yeah, if he's there, that he goes three. You know, uh, I think they could uh, if they if they really want to go high end pitching. Uh, there's a left high school lefty in North Carolina, Mackenzie Gore, mm-hmm. who's really front up boards quite a bit. Uh, and there are some scouts who like him as much as Green. Um, uh, he's you know a little bit more advanced feel for pitching as of right now. Um, so uh, you know, there's a chance that they could go that route. That's if Green goes one or two. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was just about to ask you about Mackenzie Gore as well. Um, so you think he's an option at three if Hunter Green is off the board? Say Brendan McKay, Hunter Green go one, two. Do you think the Potters could be taking Gore? I, I think it's a possibility. I think, you know, it'll depend on what direction they want to, to go in. Uh, you know, when you pick that high, uh, I think you should just pick the best player available, period. So it's not like they should look at their system and say, whoa, we've got a lot of young pitching. Let's take the hitter. Uh, I think you you know you have to try to come to some consensus uh, about who that best player is. And listen, it's hard to compare a left-handed pitcher to a center fielder. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, some of it just depends on what kind of player you like. Uh, so there's probably some spirited debate, and there and there might be some people pounding the table for Kyle Wright uh, in the room, mind you. Uh, and Kyle Wright has some upside as a college player. He's not like some boring, safe, you know, number four starter. Uh, mm-hmm. So he may, he might enter into the conversation more as we get a little closer. Yeah, and in recent weeks, I've kind of been more on the Kyle Wright train, I guess you could say. He's pitched really well lately. Um, yep. he's, he's obviously more polished as a college arm. Um, but yeah, I think really e- any way they go, I think they, they're gonna, it's going to pay off for him. Um, obviously, you can't predict how prospects uh, end up panning out, but there's a lot of good talent there, and I think they'll make the right decision at this point. Yeah, I mean, their front office is, uh, you know, I think they've gotten themselves in in the direction they they probably should have headed in to begin with. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think, you know, if anything, maybe A.J. Preller just uh, tried to make too big of a splash too quickly, you know, wanted to come in and try to compete right away. And um, that's rolling the dice, you know, high stakes. And it didn't and it didn't work. But, you know. He, from his his time in Texas, uh, he one knows how to play the international market uh, and, and get really good players and help build a 
not just a good farm system, but like an exciting one with, you know, guys who are young for their level with really high upsides and lots of tools. And, uh, and that's, that's what helped Texas get good. Uh, and, and AJ, you know, was a big part of that. So I think uh, after that, like one year blip, uh, when he first got in the GM chair, I think he's kind of gotten back to his, his strengths as a, as an evaluator and a scouting background. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, the tools are definitely there uh, with a lot of the Padre prospects, and it's exciting. A lot of, you know, guys that are throwing mid-90s, high-90s, uh, a lot of, you know, pure athletes out there who kind of just, they have what it takes to, or at least we hope that have what it takes to excel through the system um let's get back to hunter green that's someone who i'm really intrigued with like most people uh i'd like to know your thoughts on where he's gonna is he gonna project as a position player or will he be able to project as a position position player or are people just counting on that uh 100 mile per hour arm uh to take the mound yeah he's a pitcher now uh okay okay and it's a i have a i have a feature going up tomorrow where we're doing a series with him he's just an interesting guy all around and the, the one Amar really focuses on on his baseball skills and I think heading into this season it was split you know I think more people saw him as a pitcher than a hitter but there were enough that saw him as a as an infielder uh whether you know he stayed at short which I think he was showing that he could do or even if he had to move over to third there was some power there uh, uh you know things of that nature um and uh, but once he once he hit 102 in January, that kind of ended the discussion <laughs> uh, or, or tipped the scale. Now there are still a couple teams that you know or scouts you talk to like you know man I really like him as an infielder. Uh, you know be tempted to start him out that way because it's easier to go from there to the mound if you needed to, mm-hmm. as opposed to the other way around. But uh, the teams at the top of the draft. Or, or you know, the, and he's not going to get past three. I mean, it's those three teams. They're all looking at him as a pitcher, a very athletic pitcher. You know, they seeing what he can do at shortstop does not hurt him uh, on the mound, especially because he hasn't pitched since uh, since mid-April. Um, not because of injury, they just shut him down to to protect his arm. But uh, yeah, no, he he will he will definitely be a pitcher and one who has a chance to you know pitch at the top of a rotation. Yeah, you, you get a 17, 18-year-old kid throwing 102 miles per hour. I think it's pretty much set where it, uh, what his future is in the game. Yep. Um, okay, let's, you know, the Padres have the number three pick. We've pretty much covered who potentially they're going to take. Um, I'd love to hear a couple of uh, sleepers or, or players that are creeping up your draft board, uh, you know, mid, mid-round mid picks. Some Just a couple names out there for, for baseball fans like myself to keep an eye on. Hmm, interesting. Let me... Uh, let me take a look at my lists here. Okay. Um, it's funny because right now we're in the middle of working on uh, expanding our draft list from 101 from 100 to 200. So I've got all those names, like the guys sneaking into the into the uh, the top 100, which is like top three rounds. So I have to shift my focus back to the first round for a second. Uh, well, you know what? So. There's 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 sort of two ways to look at that question. There are guys who are kind of safer, who end up moving up. So, uh, staying in Southern California, Griffin Canning at UCLA, okay, is kind of an interesting guy to me because he's not exciting. He doesn't wow you. He doesn't throw 100 miles an hour. Um, he's not big and physical, 
but he may have been the most consistent Friday night starter in college baseball this year. And his stuff has gotten better, and he's got well above average command of four pitches. Okay. Um, so he's the kind of guy that just kind of sits there and does it week in and week out. And then there are teams like as high as eight that are kind of looking at him thinking, well, he's kind of plan B. But if plan A is a question mark or there's question, you know, you're not sure, uh, plan B starts looking better and better, especially when he's a, a, a college pitcher with a proven track record. So that's a guy who, who's uh, sort of interesting to me. Uh, in terms of moving moving up boards, um, Matt Sauer is another high school right-hander in California. Uh, he's a guy to keep an eye on. Um, there's some really toolsy uh, high school outfielders that could. Uh, well, Jordan Adele is a guy who like he's one of those guys you just can't figure out where he goes. He could go in the top ten, or he could go uh, at the very end of the first round or into the supplemental round. He's the kind of polarizing in that way. Quentin Holmes is a guy, he's actually in New York City, uh, maybe the fastest guy in the draft, but there are questions about the other tools. And there are a bunch of teams at the tail end of the first round uh, that like toolsy guys, and they have multiple picks. So, uh, you know, he, you know, a guy like that uh, could, could certainly land in the first round. That's definitely uh, good to hear um, about some other guys that maybe we aren't really – at the forefront of the national attention, I mean, you have Hunter Green, Brendan McKay, guys like that who are always in the conversation, and some of these other guys mm-hmm. may or may not get lost in the shuffle. Um, I, I wanted your thoughts on if there's any guys maybe sort of like Cal Quantrill last year, a guy that's uh, injured and may, may be selected earlier, may fall because of an injury. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that, if there's any guys that kind of fit that bill? There, there, there is, and you only have to go back to Stanford uh, <laughs> to find him. Uh, Tristan Beck. Uh, is a guy who, uh, like Quantrill, has not, you know uh, a year ago, has not thrown a pitch this year. Um, now Beck, I mean uh, Quantrill, you know, had Tommy John surgery, and you know there was a little bit more sort of known quantity in terms of what the rehab process was like. Uh, the only thing that was a question mark is that it seemed like he was going to actually get back to pitch before the season ended, and it never happened. Beck has a back injury. Um, believed to be a, a stress fracture. Uh, now, if it's similar to um, what Colby Allard uh, had, uh, who's uh, coming out of the high school ranks in California, and the Braves ended up taking him in the first round, uh, then there's maybe a little more comfort level for some teams knowing, like, well, this, you know, this area comes back, but, you know, backs can be tricky. Had Beck not gotten hurt, uh, he would be a top 10 pick consideration. Um, and probably the best rumor I've heard regarding him was the Braves, uh, who mm-hmm. pick at five and then again at 41, uh, cutting a deal with someone at five to save money and then drafting and signing Beck at 41 um, because you know, Beck has the leverage uh, of going back to Stanford, should, you know, should he want to as a redshirted junior. Um, and you know, a lot of times that the, you know, the Stanford kids, they like to stay for their senior year. Because uh, it's not just about the, the sport there, so uh, I don't I don't see him going in the first round. I've not heard him going in the first round, uh, but he might get paid at, like a first rounder uh, if you know a team like the Braves or, or someone else, uh, and, and you know uh, who has the you know those multiple picks 
Um, the Reds, you know, the Reds pick at uh, two and thirty-two, so they could make something happen if they wanted to go down that road. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Brewers have that extra pick, so there are a few teams that have uh, those compensation picks from like thirty. Uh, I'm sorry, competitive balance picks from thirty-one to thirty-six that could uh, decide to be creative and 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 go after a guy like him. All right. Um, I also wanted your thoughts. I kind of want to get away from the draft a little bit, but but kind of in a weird way. What? Um, okay. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, he's been just tearing it up lately in uh, Low A Fort Wayne for the Tin Caps. Yep. Um, he's obviously 18. He's he's really the age of a, a draft eligible player. He's really just out of high school theoretically if he was not playing in uh, professional baseball already. So I wanted your thoughts on. If he was in a draft, maybe this year, where would he slot in uh, with these other players? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I know that's kind of a, a loaded question there, but <laughs> no, no, it's fine. When we listen, we get we get questions like that all the time, and it's hard, uh, especially because you know I don't focus on the international market that much, um, so it's not like I'm was that. I mean, I obviously knew who he was uh, because of the bloodlines, and I read the report on him. Um, uh, and that's one of the things that makes it so interesting trying to compare and contrast, you know, the international uh, scouting with domestic, um, you know, imagine trying to scout Hunter Green when he was 16. Uh, would you have known that he would have ended up uh, throwing a hundred miles an hour? I don't know. I mean, he, there were signs already. And then, so it's all about projection now with Tatis, because his dad played in the big leagues for so long. Um, there's probably a little more, more of a comfort level, but he is, um, he's extremely talented. So for a guy with his offensive ability, uh, power potential, and really good defense, I mean, he's he's got every chance to stay up the middle. If he gets too big, he could be a gold glove caliber third baseman. Um, I'd have to think that he'd be, uh, you know, a top 10 pick at the very least. Um, you know, if you want to head your bets and you want to say, Oh, he'd be a first rounder, but either way there's, I think there's little question that he would be in, in that kind of top of the draft conversation. All right. That's definitely, that's definitely good to hear. I mean, as Padre fans, we want to hear good things about our own prospects. So uh, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got some work to do on plate discipline. Um, but what young hitter doesn't? Yeah, that's definitely true for a lot of young guys. Um, my, my last real question was I wanted to look back at the 2016 draft, kind of get a, maybe maybe a draft grade now that we're uh, about one year out. Padres have Cal Quantrill pitching well, Lake Elsinore, Hudson Potts, and uh, is starting to hit a little bit at Fort Wayne. Eric Lauer's doing well at Lake Elsinore. Uh, Reggie Lawson, Mason Thompson just made the move up to Fort Wayne. Uh, Joey Lucchese is obviously doing well at Lake Elsinore. Jesse Schultens is pitching well at Lake Elsinore. So I wanted your thoughts on kind of looking back one year out, um, maybe a little bit of a draft grade, how the Padres did and, and how you think these guys are going to develop further? You know, I, I think they did well. Um, you know, I remember thinking at the time initially that they didn't necessarily use the multiple picks to, to, to the greatest mm-hmm. um, maximum benefit. Um, and some of that, I think, was just that not that many people had Hudson Potts as a as a first rounder. Mm-hmm. Um, now, let's just put it as an aside. The, I think the Padres had set 
things up where they were really trying to get uh, Jay Groom down to them. Uh, you know, the left-hander who was one of the most talented players in last year's draft, and the Red Sox kind of threw a wrench into that plan by taking him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the number thirteen, so uh, they had to readjust. Um, but you know, with Potts not being a first, you know, like about to be a first rounder, and and Eric Lauer being like good but not like exciting. Uh, I, my my first thing was, eh, but you know, I think uh, I, I would upgrade them a tick. Not, not necessarily just because of um, the performance of guys uh, mm-hmm. his first couple months of their first full season. It's too, it's too early. Yeah. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, there, there is the chance for it to be much better than, than I expected. I think you, you mentioned a guy like Reggie Lawson. They, you know, they did, they were able to go uh, aggressively after, some sort of high-end guys. Now, whether they're the right high-end guys, I don't know. Um, but uh, you know, Lawson had a weird senior season, and uh, you know, he was a guy who was thought to be a first-round pick um, and then ended up uh, sliding some uh, because of, of, uh, of that and got much higher than slot value. But, you know, if, if he pans out, and the fact that he is in full-season ball now um, yeah, I would have actually pegged him for you know a, a trip to the Northwest League this summer. Um, uh, to me, that means he's he's made more progress than anticipated, uh, and that that's a good sign. Yeah, he didn't yeah. do didn't do too well in his first start, but um, there's oh, that's right. yeah, there's always the time to, to grow. I mean, you can't <laughs> I wouldn't expect... worry too much about that. Yeah, you can't expect perfection right away. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's nice to see those uh, those top six out of eighty five picks like they had uh, last season actually. Make a little progression. I think the only one that's probably not progressing right now is Buddy Reed. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on him. If you think that he will be able to figure it out um, with a bat. <laughs> well, that's the yeah, that's, that's the, the that, book. That on was, him. That's always <laughs> the question with him. You know, uh, there's uh-huh. no question about the run tool, and there is really no question about the uh, about the defense. I mean, uh, he is a plus Gold Glove caliber potential defender. Uh, he's he's got some potential. Um, you know, I don't know what the Padres did have done with him. You know, uh, instruct spring training in terms of uh, refining his approach and setup at the plate, which was kind of all over the place. He's got power potential. He's big. He's got some some strength, um, but. Uh, but he, he wasn't really going about it the right way to tap into that. Uh, so we'll have to we'll have to see. Now he's got um, ceiling. You know, he almost I I think you almost have to look at him as a as like a high schooler, even though he okay. played for Florida. Uh, you know, which is a great college program, just because uh, he, he's kind of raw. You know, and he's yeah. um, he's from New England. He didn't play a ton of baseball in high school. Uh, you know, I think he probably got by Florida with his unbelievable raw tools. Uh, I'm not saying he had no baseball skills whatsoever, but they're they're more rudimentary than your typical guy from a big SEC program. So I think if you're a little more patient with him uh, than you would be with a college guy, and you know, they sent him to, to Fort Wayne instead of Lake Elsinore, uh, which mm-hmm. I think is a, a smart move. Uh, then I think, uh, you know, the, the dividends could be considerable, but there are also guys like him 
in every organization who just don't quite get there in terms of the, the hit tool. I think at the very least, though, that he still could probably be a, a you know, a productive uh, fourth or fifth outfielder. Yeah, no, it's just uh, I think the Padres are kind of just waiting for him to kind of figure it out, if you will. Um, being a switch hitter, you think that's more difficult for him to find his uh, his approach at the plate or kind of refine it, if you will? Yeah, I mean, sure, uh, because, you know, especially if it's inconsistent from side to side. And I don't know that it is, mm-hmm. but I do know, you know, based on the reports, you know, coming into the draft is that he just did not. Uh, it's like, you know, with a pitcher, you want them to repeat their mechanics, mm-hmm. uh, their delivery to have success. You have to do the same thing as a hitter, and he did not do that. You know, he didn't extend regularly. Uh, you know, there were a lot of flaws mechanically. Um you know, uh, I, I, whether or not it takes longer to uh, make corrections to those kind of flows when you hit from both sides of the plate, I'm, I'm not really sure. It's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is what it is. And that's a common thing here in, uh, in Padre land. And, you know, he's, he's added to the list of, of uh, unbelievable high ceiling prospects we have. And, it, you know, it, it's just one of those things we're going to just kind of have to wait and let him uh, hopefully figure it out. Um, Anderson Espinosa is someone who a lot of Padre fans were really excited to see this season. Have you heard anything about hip progress on his shoulder or arm at all? I have not. Okay. So that's a short answer. So uh, okay. no, I've not, not heard any. In fact, it was just recently, you know, it's hard for us to keep track of 900 players all the time. Definitely. And, uh, uh, full disclosure, I'm not the one that does the Padres top 30 list for us. So I hadn't looked in a little while. Um, and... Uh, I also am like, oh, wait, he hasn't thrown yet. Uh, (laughs) And it is, you know, I think there's a concern just because he's not big. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, anytime you have that undersized right-hander, you worry about durability. Um, But I can't add anything more than that because I just uh, haven't heard anything. Nice, nice. Okay. Um, Last thing I'd like to ask you is about uh, everybody's favorite Padre prospect who seems to be creeping up the list. Um, Luis Arias. I don't know if you've had uh, any familiarity with him or seen him play. Uh, I'm just wondering if you've had um, any thoughts on him. Uh, yeah, we just uh, we just recently added him to our top 100 overall list. Mm-hmm. Uh, as guys graduate, uh, we need replacements, and um, you know he's 19 and he's hitting 340 in Double A, and all the guy does is hit and hit some more and hit some more. Um, and it's not, it's not even just a, uh, like, uh, I swing at everything. I never strike out and never walk. I mean, he's got an advanced approach. He walks a ton. Yeah. He's got some extra base pop. Um, you know, I, 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 I he's, he's kind of a fun player and, uh, you know, I, I think we would have noticed him anyway, but I think, uh, and I'm not in a million years suggesting that he's going to be Jose Altuve, but when <laughs> the Jose Altuves of the world succeed like they do at the big league level, uh-huh. they, you know, I think you know those of us that uh, follow prospects, write about them, and, and probably even those that evaluate them, look a little more closely at the at the undersized guys. Um, uh, doesn't look like Arias is going to have the kind of power that Altuve has, but I don't think people thought Altuve was going to have the power Altuve has. Um, and it's not like Arias is weak. He doesn't have the bat knocked out of his hands. He's got some extra base ability. Um, but he's really more just about the, the hit tool. Uh, and uh, you know, to me, I think he's going to be a, an everyday second baseman 
and he may hit the big leagues by the time he's you know at some point when he's twenty years old. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. I mean, yep. you th- you talked about the plate discipline. I mean, in one hundred seventy three at bats this year, he's walked twenty five times and, and K twenty two times. So, um, you know, that's pretty un- remarkable to see a. a in this day and age, uh, someone who walks more than they strike out, you know, the, the game's ever uh, changing, and, and the strikeout is definitely part of the game now. Sure, um, and, and yeah, and you and you deal with the strikeouts. Um, you know, he walked more than he struck out last year. You know, if you're going to strike out, you better walk, and you you better have some power. Um, the amazing thing with Urias, if you look at his numbers this year, is that his OPS is over 900, but he's got two homes. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it just shows you uh, that there's there's more than you know more than one way to skin a cat. Exactly, exactly. He's got that gap power, and, you know, the power's developing. I think uh, initially they were afraid that he was going to have any power at all, and, and for him to already have two at double uh, A, and and uh, for the size that he is, you know, it, it is there. And, and, and um, Altuve is, is probably a – anytime comps are, are, are unfair, but, you know, I think that's a pretty uh, pretty spot-on uh, comp for, for Arias. We'll go with um, well, well, thank you, Jonathan. You know, we are um, we're about done with the show for right now. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, we could have gone on all day asking you about uh, draft questions, but um, you have the life and you have to move on with it. And 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 you know, it's a busy time of the year for you. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, everyone, check out mobpipeline.com. Uh, there's a new piece coming out on Hunter Green uh, today or tomorrow, Jonathan. Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, a new piece for uh, on the Hunter Green. Um, check it out. Uh, support Jonathan and his work. He's really a, a great writer and, and uh, great to, to hear him and about the Padres. You know, we don't get enough uh, media uh, national attention. It's it's nice to be able to talk to someone like yourself and kind of give us a little love here and there. Well, it's my pleasure to, to join you guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Jonathan. Have a great day. You too. Uh, well, there you go, folks. Uh, Jonathan Mayo of MLB.com uh, was. Gracious enough to join us today, uh, talk a little bit about the Padres. Uh, Patrick, anything that you needed to add or uh, like to talk to talk about uh, Jonathan today? Uh, yeah, that was a great conversation. Uh, a lot of good insight. Uh, draft coming less than two weeks away, and kind of got a little bit of a clearer picture of uh, how the top of the draft may fall. I mean, still some question on whether Hunter Green falls to the Padres at three, but he's definitely theirs if he's there. So we'll have to see if it's him or if it's maybe uh, Royce Lewis, maybe Kyle Wright. Uh, Mackenzie Gore, even there's quite a few guys um, that, that are potential there. Um, one yeah. more thing I want to talk about before we uh, head out of here is Mason Thompson is taking the mound currently about to start his season. So hopefully that goes nice. a little better than Reggie Lawson's <laughs> debut went, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. By the time this podcast is up, we'll uh, have an answer there. Definitely, definitely. Uh, things are progressing in the minor league system, and that's pretty much all we can ask. Yep, it's it's uh, it's the time of the year to to be uh, optimistic. <laughs> yep, definitely. Uh, all right, Patrick, take us out of here. I think we are good to go. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter, Patrick Brewer ninety three. James is ebt underscore news, uh, ebt underscore j clark. Um, we are on Podbean, as where we're hosted. We are also on iTunes. We are also on uh, Stitcher, Podcast Republic, Podcast Addict, whatever service you use to to listen to your podcast. You you can find us there. Um, yeah, that's about it, James. 
All right. Thank you so much, folks, for joining us. Uh, we will be back in a couple days uh, with a new show. Uh, Mudcat Grant is uh, gracious enough to, show, to uh, join us on the road uh, from, uh, I guess he'll be in Washington on uh, Friday morning. So look for that and uh, give us a follow. Give us a, a comments, rate, rate us, do whatever you need to do. Um, we are always looking to improve the show. Uh, East Village Times Podcast. EBT is in. out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT Podcast. Padres EBT Podcast.